0: Welcome, everyone, to this house of worship. Everyone is welcome, but we're going to give a special welcome to Michael and Rebecca Bergen. They're here to speak this morning. Oh, as well as to Canaan, Keziah, Jude, Rosie, and Annie. (laughs) They're not going to speak. Well, you might hear them, but they won't have microphones. And uh, Pastor Russell and Shannon are away this weekend at a a getaway with friends. And so Michael has agreed to come and speak from God's Word for us and also tell us about what's going on at Valley View Bible Camp. So that's going to be great. So if you're able, please stand and let's sing together. Come let us all unite to sing.
1: sit down, why don't you
0: turn and look at each other with love. (laughs) And you may be seated. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are love and that you are eternally existing in a loving relationship that is the Trinity, a mystery to us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, unbroken, And we thank you that from your love, you have created us and the whole world. So we gather together today to acknowledge you and to give you praise and glory. Amen.
2: Our call to worship will be from Psalm 112, verses 1 to 9. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands.
3: Their children will be mighty in the land, the generation of the upright will be blessed.
2: Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever.
3: Even in darkness light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous.
2: Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice.
3: Surely the righteous will never be shaken, they will be remembered forever.
2: They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts, will be, their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord.
3: Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes.
2: They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor.
0: Before we sing our next song, a worship song, I want to say a couple things about worship. One of the reasons why I love this next song is because it is addressed to God. Some songs we sing about God or about other true things, but I love it when we sing to God. And the other thought on worship is the word itself in English, worship, is based on worthship. What is God worth? God is worth all the glory we can give him because of uh, how great and good he is. And that is partly acknowledged in this song as we sing about, uh, I want you more than gold or silver. Those things are worth a lot, but God is worth a lot more. And so we express God's worth as we worship. So let's sing As the Deer. God, even as we worship and recognize your worth, we acknowledge that we have fallen short. We have not lived up to your glory and your call on our lives. And that brings us sadness. We would like to do and be all that you want us to do and be. And so we reach out for your loving hand, forgiveness your hand of affirmation and blessing and we receive that forgiveness that Jesus purchased with his blood and thank you Holy Spirit that you remind us that we are the sons and daughters of God fully loved and accepted amen as we uh, sing thy word have I hid in my heart May God's word strengthen us to keep us from sin.
1: Salvation and peace have been
0: Yesterday I was working at my brother's house on a bit of demolition and there were other people there that I didn't know but of course he knew and one of them was a little boy I'm guessing he was maybe in grade 1 or 2 and we were at the dinner table together but it being a construction zone I was just stretching out my feet with my big work boots on and he was kind of tripping over them and I said oh pardon my big work boots and he said Pardon? Actually, he said a different word that wasn't pardon, because he didn't know what pardon was. <laughs> and I said, oh, I mean, like, forgive me for my big work boots. And he said, forgive? He didn't know what that meant either. Now I'm in trouble. How do you actually explain pardon and forgiveness to somebody who doesn't know either of those words? What, what is that? And I said, "Um, it means, like, choosing to not be mad anymore about something. Have you ever done that? Have you ever decided, I'm not going to be mad at you about that anymore? Yeah, he was pretty sure he had done that before. Well, there you go. I'm reassuring you that God is not mad at you anymore about those things. So let's sing this little light of mine. And please stand if you're
1: able. Let's pray
0: for the offering. Lord, thank you for your assurance in our scripture today that good will come to those who are generous and who lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. And thank you that you have enabled us to freely scatter our gifts to the poor because you have been so generous with us. And as we do that through our, our lives, our actions, our time, as well as our money. We pray that you will take it and bless everything that we give for the growth of your kingdom. So thank you for the ways that we can give, including in this church building or online, and also to all kinds of good ministries that uh, the church supports through through this channel of uh, the local church and the conference as well amen our scripture reading this morning is from matthew chapter 5 13 to 20
3: you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.
2: Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven.
0: The word of the Lord. All right. The children who are ages 3 to 11 are going to be invited to go to children's church in a moment, but I'm going to pray first before you go. And uh, it's just going to be down the hall to that side. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the children. Bless their time together with their teachers, and uh, give them a sense of who you are today that will reassure them and guide them into their week ahead and their whole lives long. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so children ages 3 to 11, you can follow Christine. So a few announcements that are in your bulletin, but I'll just highlight Today, we have the care home service at 3 o'clock. So come out and join us to uh, add to the singing voices and and the reading of scripture and so on. Looking ahead to Wednesday, our prayer meetings are now in the afternoon. So 2 o'clock Wednesday afternoon here at the church. And then in the evening, of course, Kids Connect at the church. And then looking ahead to Sunday... This coming Sunday is going to be communion in the worship service. So prepare your hearts and your relationships for communion. And following the service on Sunday, potluck lunch. So prepare your dishes for the potluck lunch. And uh, those whose last names start with the letter A through M will be in charge of setup and cleanup. So you may want to come a little early or plan to stay a little late that, And uh, one more thing about Kids Connect, if you'd like to donate money specifically for Bibles so that each household can have a Bible, then uh, talk to Christine about that or talk to Amy about bringing snack. Anything else that should be added for announcements? All right, then I'm going to invite Donna up to uh, to lead us in prayer. And after that, Michael, you can come on up and share what you've planned to say with us. Thank
4: you. God of every place, some of us see you today from mountains of joy and confidence, mountains of gratitude and praise. Some of us seek you today from valleys of grief or doubt, <coughs> valleys of prayer or exhaustion. And in all places, there you are with us, nudging us onward. When we descend from the heights, show us your presence in the ground. When we rise from the depths, show us the light of your way. Meet us all on the path made by Jesus. And Jesus, you have promised to always be with us. May we all fear your nearness in this moment, in this service, and in the week ahead of us. You have also invited us to cast all our cares on you because you care for us. And we thank you for the ways that you have made yourself present in the life of our church. We praise you for the healing of bodies, our physical bodies. Thank you that Tony and Astrid are with us again this morning. We thank you for the ways in which Russell is feeling better than he has. We also ask for your healing touch in people who suffer from injury, from diseases, from the fact that our bodies age. Pray for those, um, we pray for Charles Rempel who has broken a leg. We pray that you would bring healing and patience as he waits for that. We think of others in our community, in our lives, who are waiting on results, who are waiting for surgery, who are struggling with their health. We pray that you would bring your healing touch to them. We thank you for the ways that you work in people's lives. Pray that you would bless Everett as he's baptized this morning in Portage Church. Pray that he would feel your presence and that he would that his faith would grow as a result of his, his joining um, that particular church. We also celebrate with Naomi and Ben as they um, begin, their, begin the possibility of their lives together. We pray that you would bless them, um, bless their families as they begin down this journey, and that you would draw them closer to yourself and to you, We pray also for Frank Bennett's family in this time of grief and loss. Pray that you would be near to them, comfort them, and that you would bring people into their lives to walk through this difficult time with them. We pray for the care home service this afternoon. Pray that you would be with the people who are leading that service, that you would um, give them joy in their service. We pray for the people living at the care home, that it would be a blessing to them and that they would feel your nearness. Pray also for Michael Bergen as he brings the message to us this morning. Pray that he would sense your spirit as he as he preaches. Pray that you would guide his words and guide our thoughts and our meditation as we listen. Lord, thank you for your presence with us. Amen.
5: Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Uh, maybe that's a bad question to ask. Some of you, as, as was prayed, can come here. We can find ourselves here in, in the valleys of life or in the mountaintops, and yet it is good to be in the house of the Lord, and specifically that house of the Lord is made up of believers in Jesus Christ, and so it's just a privilege to be here with you this morning. It really is. I, I was... Uh, Excited. There's always a bit of uh, fear and trepidation that comes along with uh, delivering the word of God, but mostly excited to be here. It's uh, it's just a, it's a joy to be able to do this. I always encouraged as study of God's word a bit more intentionally it just brings moments of um, fascination and wonder with who God is and how big our, our Savior is and what He has done for us. So it, it truly is a privilege to be here this morning. I uh, I would probably be remiss not to talk a little bit about Valley View, and I had mentioned to some this morning that uh, Pastor Russell's not here, so he can't uh, tell me not to do it, so that's good. Uh, it's, I, I was looking in the bulletin, and believe it or not, this, you can kind of see it's not no longer straight, it's, it, it's crinkled, and this is actually probably the best condition a bulletin has made it up in, into my hands uh, after my kids have gotten a hold of it, so uh, I can still read it. Which is, which is something new. Usually it's in shreds on the floor by the time the, the sermon comes around. So this is, this is great. And I've just noticed that the, uh, amongst the announcements that are on your bulletin, it seems as though Valley View is highlighted more than once. And I think uh, the only reason I mention that is I think it's, it's reflective of your support um, for the ministry at Valley View Bible Camp over the years. We appreciate uh, your support uh, in, in various different ways. And um, it truly is a privilege to also continue to serve there. Rebecca and I have been serving at Valley View Bible Camp now for uh, 10 years this past this, this just in January uh, myself officially only for nine so I have to be careful uh, I like to say ten because it sounds nicer uh, but Rebecca actually started before I did and then uh, babies changed things and we we swapped roles uh, about a year into it but we've been there for about a decade now and it continues to be a place where we feel strongly and know strongly from what God's word said is a, is a, is a great place uh, to To serve him, to walk in obedience to what he has asked us to do in making disciples and presenting the gospel. And so uh, that's just a little bit on the personal side. A lot has changed in our family, even since the last time I was here. uh, You know, we've had uh, a couple of extra children. Uh, We're up to, how many do we have, Rebecca? Five, right? Yes, we're up to five now. Uh, Twins being our most recent, Annie and Rosie. So they are uh, just uh, over a year. Um, They were born December 9th of 2022, 2021. 2022. Uh, see, I'm getting things so confused now. What are we? doing? 2023? Yeah. So they were born. Yes. No. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. I'm looking at her through the glass, and we're trying to communicate, and it's not working so well. Thank you, guys. You're very gracious. And so, yeah, lots has changed, but uh, and I took a parental leave from camp uh, in the year of 2022 for about nine months. And so that was an interesting time for me personally. Uh, it, it helped me to appreciate a lot of things. It helped me to appreciate the team that I serve with and uh, just the godliness of that team. Uh, in serving in my absence, it helped me to just again reaffirm or realize that the Lord is working despite um, what things we might be going through personally, but he also welcomes us into that, and, and he gives us opportunity to serve whether I'm at camp or at home, and so I learned that uh, the ministry of the home and, and being a father is, is important and valid, and, and uh, in fact one of my primary responsibilities right now is, is God has given me children and a wife, and so it was, uh, it was a um, a time filled with grace and mercy and uh, lots of hard lessons. So it was, a good, it was a good parental leave, but it was also good to come back. I came back in September of this year, and it was a great time to return. It was a little slower in between summer camp and uh, our winter Tubing Hill season. And I'm happy to report that uh, as far as camp goes, you know, there's challenges along the way. But uh, we're just very thankful for what the Lord has equipped us to do. I, I th- our team is, uh, is in a healthy place. Henry and Loretta, the directors, Henry and Loretta ends, are are currently on a sabbatical, actually. Uh, They started um, in January, uh, I believe, and they'll be be done. Their sabbatical are returning come mid-April. So uh, we're kind of holding down the fort in their absence, uh, but we're excited for them to be able to take this time to intentionally uh, pour into their lives, both uh, physically, spiritually, mentally, and uh, take some time to rest from the ministry. Uh, The tubing hill is going well. And we thank you. You just noticed the announcement that volunteers are needed for February 17th to 19th. But I've seen uh, many of you up there in various capacities over the years and this year as well. Um, I, I, I'm sure it's almost like beating a dead horse at this point. But the, the ministry of the Tubing Hill isn't so much uh, what the same way you would see ministry happening in the summertime. Where we're intentionally preaching the gospel to children and youth. Um, but the Tubing Hill is a unique opportunity we have to uh, continue a work obviously that uh, has its legacy here in this church with George and Evelyn, um, and George's vision for having fun recreation in in the area. But it's been such a such an amazing opportunity for us to to raise funds for the camp uh, and to just have so many points of connection uh, to folks in our community, but beyond. We have we have folks coming from. Uh, up to and over three hours away to use the tubing hill, which is unique. Uh, We we offer a service that's unique in the province and And for us to be able to talk about camp and provide those opportunities to families. And and families respond. Families realize that there's more to this place than just the Tubing Hill. And and we we receive kids coming to camp to hear the gospel as a result of the Tubing Hill. Um, We also uh, are privileged to get volunteers uh, from different times during the year because of what the Tubing Hill has afforded us the opportunity for people to come to us. And so I say all that just to thank you for, for serving in that way. It sometimes seems like such a small thing uh, to come and maybe give your four hours on the tubing hill. Uh, sometimes, depending on how busy it is there, it can almost seem all for naught. But I assure you, it is all for lots. It's, uh, it's very crucial, and we're just so thankful to be busy in the wintertime and, and to be able to raise that support in, in a unique way. And so your volunteering hours there are are great and, uh, and for the kingdom, and so we appreciate that. Um, there's some exciting things coming up, and, and I, I, I don't want to spend too much more time talking about the camp, but I will highlight, as you have in the announcements here, the, the Men's Discipleship Weekend. Uh, you have the poster up on your announcement board in the back as well. But I would encourage you, if anyone here, any men, sorry, are are considering, sorry, ladies, it's uh, I'd love to include you, but uh, the the thing the, the the poster says men only, so I I have no choice but to offer it to only the men. Uh, but uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful time of study in God's word. I am very excited for our speaker this year, Dr. Craker. Uh, he comes from uh, a, a missions and an overseas teaching background through WorldServe, I believe. He's taught in many different countries across, across the world. Uh, many and actually in countries that are quite closed and, uh, and resistive to the gospel. And so he has an interesting testimony as well as, as experience. And he's currently serving as the director of the doctorate program, or sorry, the master's program, sorry, at Miller College of the Bible. That just happens to be where he's, he's placing himself right now. But I'm very excited for him to come. He's knowledgeable in God's word. He loves to teach the word. And, uh, and I'm excited to hear what he has to say to us, and, and, and just how we will all grow as a group there during that time. So if you haven't yet considered it, we have a little bit of space left. Or if you know of someone that would benefit from that time, I would encourage you to spread the word. Um, it's not, again, we want to just make sure that that opportunity is made aware for those who need it. And we're just praying that the right men uh, come come around to that event and, uh, and, and take part. Um, Just a a unique testimony that might play into my my message here a little bit this morning too. We have a a gentleman that attended 24-7 for the last three or four years. His name is Tom. And uh, very unexpectedly, uh, he passed away just a few weeks back. Um, and that was a difficult thing to hear. Uh, he, he lived a, a fairly full life, and, and we're rejoicing that he's in heaven with his Savior, which is greater by far, um, but just a unique opportunity to just share how his life was changed at 24-7. So we come there to get established and, and firmly rooted in the Word of God, and, and in Tom's case, he actually came there to... Uh, Rededicate his life, or to get reacquainted with his Lord and Savior, and so we're just so thankful that the Lord has afforded us those opportunities. That's not to give credit to myself, but um, just just to emphasize uh, just the great the great power of the Word of God and what He does in the lives of uh, those He calls. And so, um, yeah, just thankful for that time, and would encourage you to prayerfully consider being involved. Um, or, or encouraging someone to come and take in that time. It's a mini, mini Bible school without having to travel too far out of your hometown. And so um, just a, a, sh- a shameless plug there for 24-7. If you have any questions about, uh, about camp and the, the specifics of it, I won't run away too quickly after the end of the service, and I'm happy to answer your questions. Again, we appreciate your support as a church and as individuals. So thank you so much for the opportunity to share a little bit there, even though I didn't ask for express permission. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. So, kind of diving into what I have to share with you this morning, uh, we'll be in the book of Matthew in chapter 5. And uh, the the passage that was read this morning was from 13 to 20. And I I certainly don't intentionally desire to glaze over a very important passage in in verse 13 uh, to 16. Uh, but just to put it on record here or on recording, I'll give Pastor Russell the opportunity maybe to take a step back if you'd like to tackle that. Um, but for the purposes of this morning, this is just such a jam-packed, um, o- almost overwhelming little chunk of Scripture uh, contained within uh, the Sermon on the Mount that uh, Jesus is engaging in. And so I just wanted to kind of bring it ba- down to uh, maybe a bit more of a palatable uh, amount of Scripture this morning. So I'll be focusing in starting at uh, verse 17 uh, and uh, through to, to the end of that section in verse 20. And uh, the main thing I would just like to focus on this morning, which might be a section heading to some of you in, in your Bibles, is that uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and, and that matters. That's my, my addition to that section heading. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and it matters. It's uh, is what we'll be focusing on today. So uh, if you'll if you allow me, let me, let's just pray once more, and uh, we will dive into the passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for this day you've given us, and we thank you for um, gathering together as your people um, in full submission to your word um, for the purposes of your glory. And so I pray today that that is what would take place, is, is for your glory, that you would um, remove um, ourselves uh, from anything that takes place here today uh, in the sense that, that uh, the, the praise and honor be due your name. And uh, thank you that you have equipped us uh, to be worshipful beings who who can come into your presence uh, boldly and without without fear because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, and we can worship you. And so I pray that our lives, our actions, and our words would be an aspect of worship here this morning. In your name, I pray. Amen. So I was I I heard a story once of a young man, Uh, his name escapes me at the moment. Uh, but he was driving home from Winnipeg very late one night <clears throat> uh, because he was at a function with some of his friends and his friends were quite tired and uh, and so this young man decided that he would offer to to drive his friends home. Uh, there was a, a concert in the city and, uh, and they were busy performing and this young man was busy watching and so he had more energy than they and so he um, was... Uh, a new driver, but he decided he would drive, drive his friends home. And so <coughs> uh, the drive went fairly well, so I hear, uh, for the most part. It was late. It was probably after 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, but the road is straight from Winnipeg to McGregor or wherever this young man was heading. Uh, and uh, so, so it, was, it was pretty straightforward. And he had his wits about him and uh, was able to drive successfully um, most of the way. And so... Uh, the van was approaching Portage, and there was a drop off that needed to be made for one of these people that he was driving, and so uh, a stop needed to be made in Portage. And so it was raining lightly, uh, and uh, and it was dark, and it was uh, quiet though in the in the city. And so um, when things aren't so busy around you, you you tend to um, let your guard down a little bit. <clears throat> and we were uh, there was one of the other friends in in the vehicle who was keeping this this young man company by talking and keeping him awake. And uh, this young man might have been slightly distracted and uh, didn't really hear uh, his friend warning him that there was a, a, a red light approaching. Uh, and so uh, the van was going nicely down Saskatchewan Avenue and uh, someone was politely yelling in the background, red light, red light, red light, and it was getting louder and louder. And I was like, what, is, what are they talking about back there? And they are like, Michael, I mean, young man, red light. <laughs> and so... <clears throat> That uh, all of a sudden, I, this young man looked up, and it, it sure, certainly was a red light, and so he uh, slammed on the brakes. This van was filled with multiple people and lots of equipment, and that equipment um, wasn't necessarily strapped down. Uh, it was, sound equipment wasn't strapped down super properly, so this young man had to make a decision. Um, was he going to roll through this red light, or is he going to risk maybe someone getting a goose egg on the back of their head uh, from said equipment? And so he... Uh, looked both ways, and decided to roll through the intersection, quite proud of himself that uh, no one was seriously injured, or injured at all, actually. Um, He continued on his way, (coughs) only to see more red and blue lights in his rearview mirror. Uh, And so uh, this young man, not having any experience with uh, the officers of the law since his driver's license was given to him, not shortly before then, uh, decided to pull over, as he should have, and engaged in conversation with the officer. Uh, it was late at night, and so this young man's normally convincing nature was less than, uh, less than convincing, and uh, he was handed a slip of paper, which uh, he realized very soon after was, was a ticket uh, for, for blowing a red light. Uh, the officer was, was um, firm, but kind, um, but insisted that I broke the law, or this young man broke the law, and... Uh, and and it so turns out that there was uh, a rather serious accident not long before involving a red light, and so um, this was a good lesson for me uh, or for him as a young driver, uh, so late at night taking responsibility over those in his vehicle. Anyways, uh, fast forward a day or two, uh, this young man realized through conversations with others that he he didn't like the 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 cost of the ticket. That was quite overwhelming for him, n- saving. His hard-earned money for things that did not include paying for a ticket, and so he decided that he, he through the advice of, of a friend, that you could actually go and you can you can plead your case. Um, tickets can be discussed, um, which he wasn't aware of, and so he thought that's a good idea. Um, I like to talk, and I feel that I have a a reason why I did what I did, and I I saved my friends. I, I could things could have gone a lot worse. I made the right decision. In uh, blowing through that stop sign, and there was no one coming, and it was so he should he thought he should do this, so he went to Portage, and uh, took the phone from a mediator or whatever they do, and uh, he explained very convincingly that uh, in this particular circumstance the best decision for him would have been to blow that light. There was, uh, there, there was rain on the uh, coming down, the road was slick, the, the, the vehicle was, was skidding a little bit, and for the sake of everyone else's uh, safety, um, I made the right decision and I, and I have no prior faults, or he has no prior faults, so therefore he should get um, lenience on this ticket. And uh, the mediator was, was quite wise, and uh, and 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 quite patient and listened to my case, and uh, he he um, he. I don't exactly remember what, said, what what was told me that he said, uh, but it was something along the lines of, uh, "Were you in charge of the vehicle at the time that this incident happened?" I said, "Yes." Um, were uh, Were you therefore responsible for the actions and outcomes of that vehicle? while this accident or this incident took place, I said, yes, but, but he said, um, it was your um, responsibility to obey the laws and rules of the road and you did not, um, regardless of the circumstances, you didn't do your due diligence in, in preparing for the weather uh, and whatever else and so you will pay the fine. I, uh, this young man was um, humbled and said thank you, hung up the phone, and promptly pay, paid the ticket. Uh, I, I tell you that story um, not to embarrass that young man um, because I think he learned his lesson, uh, but more to say that, that as, as frustrated as this young man was of this mediator or this, this gentleman that, that was supposed to give him a pass on his first ticket ever, uh, he was completely justified in, in, in saying and in rendering the verdict that he did. Um, my intention, or this young man, my intention, it was me. I know it's hard to imagine that. But my intention in going in there was to convince this gentleman that I, I knew better than what the law prescribed. I had a reason that, uh, that my decisions were for the, the betterment of those around me or that, or, or that I had a, a, a proper excuse for doing what I did. And therefore, the law should not apply to me. It should be thrown out in this sense um, so that my... Um, my conscience can be cleared and I don't have to pay a hefty fine. And, uh, but the, the fact of the matter was, is that the law is the law. And the law was sustained in that case, as it should have been. You, uh, just because of my own uh, thought process doesn't, doesn't make the law null and void. It, it, it exists for a purpose. And, and I mean, this is where the, the example here falls away a little bit, because we're talking about, human law and and canadian law and and we might have varying opinions even in this in this building here today as to whether or not the the law is to be upheld in every situation but i think biblically even we have uh, a mandate to to uphold the law and in this case the law stood i i there was nothing i could do to abolish that law and uh and it's the same goes um in this case for jesus and the law um Jesus says right here at the beginning of this, ver- uh, this, this section, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. He says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And I can't tell you how many times I've read the Sermon on the Mount and just kind of glazed past this passage, but it is so significant that Jesus has come not to abolish or to, to, to put away the law, but to fulfill the law, to fulfill the prophecies that, that came before and, and that matters. It matters because ultimately, Jesus fulfilling the law provides an opportunity for us to receive that righteousness upon ourselves and to be forgiven of our sins because we are lawbreakers. And that's what we'll be getting into the, to this morning is Jesus fulfills the law for our sake. And, and that is significant. Um, so what is Jesus' relationship with the law? Or rather, before we do that, what is the law? And and please uh, forgive for the sake of time, please forgive me for not going into a super deep dive into exactly what the, what the law is, but, but practically speaking, it w- in this case, it would include um, the entire Old Testament from, from the time, or from Moses' writings, all the way through to the prophecies of, or the prophets. Um, not just the major ones, but the minor ones, and, and those that spoke of Jesus' coming, and, and the things that, that were yet to come. Um, and so when Jesus speaks of fulfilling the law and the prophets, he's speaking of uh, the, the sacred writings. He's speaking of, of those, the things that have been written uh, about him and, a, and, a, and, sp- and the Old Testament laws uh, for, for ceremony and ritual and, and then our, our the Old Testament, the, the Ten Commandments that Moses received on the mountaintop uh, from the Lord. He, this is the law, and it was given to us by God, and it is irrevocable. Uh, In in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to quickly flip though, Uh, it gives a a bit of an explanation, Uh, Jesus gives a bit of an explanation of uh, what the law is, and um, he says, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. Um, Jesus, Jesus is making a distinction there that uh, that the the law um, comes up until John, and then there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a, there's a switch or there's a there's a, a change, and there's a preaching of repentance and uh, turning to, to the Lord um, in a, in a not a different way, but there's a there's a there's a switch in that there's a fulfillment. Jesus is, is here, and he is a fulfillment of the law. So, what is Jesus' relationships to the law? Uh, Jesus was accused of blaspheming the law. In fact, it's, it's for that very reason that uh, Jesus was crucified. Uh, the, the church leaders and the, the Jews and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that they, were, they accused Jesus of, of blaspheming the law, to claiming to be God. Um, and it was ultimately their, con, their full con, being fully convinced of that, that that brought him to be uh to be tried and to be uh, sentenced to death on a cross, John uh, ten verse thirty four or ten verse thirty four to thirty eight speaks a bit of this. Sorry, I should have made a few notes in my or a few spots in my Bible here so to save some time. It, it says in starting in verse thirty three in uh, John chapter ten, it says the Jews answered him, "It is not good." Um, it is not for good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself to be God. Jesus answered them, it is, not writ- is it not written, In your law I said you are gods. That's out of the Psalms. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said I am the Son of God. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Jesus is speaking that, that uh, these, uh, these accusations of, of blaspheming are completely unsubstantiated, which we know, right? We know that uh, Jesus was perfect in the way he acted, lived, spoke. He, uh, he came um, and he lived a perfect life. But he's saying, look to the works, look to the fulfillment of the law. He says, I came and I fulfilled every single piece of, of the law that you are looking to accuse me of. And he said, look to, look to my actions, find fault in me, um, and, but he obviously knowing that you, you cannot. And, but the, the Pharisees were looking for, um, looking for a reason to, to accuse him. So Jesus' relationship to the law was, was, according to the Pharisees, according to the church leader, leaders, was uh, by the very way that they were going to condemn him and uh, condemn him to death. The Jews judged him according to their law, they judged according to the the outward um uh the outward Uh, obedience of the law. They were not looking at the the heart of the law. The Jews were looking for an opportunity to catch him in what he was doing and they were there frequently um, right there with Jesus looking to catch him in his words. Even now when he's speaking on the the Sermon on the Mount there would have been those that were opposed to his message that were there looking to trip him up. Accusers that were waiting for an opportunity to catch him in those those details because what they were looking to do is to to discredit him because they revealed Jesus' ministry revealed in them a need for repentance, a need, a need for something greater than their, their obedience of their law. They, they, they knew that Jesus stood in opposition of everything that uh, set them apart um, in their self-made righteousness. Uh, Jesus um, said, um, evaluate me by the law, uh, which we, we read there in John 10 look at what your, he says, just look in the scriptures, look in the law and in the prophets and see if there's a way that you can find fault in me and they will find no fault as we already know. His fulfillment of the law proves his claim to be the son of God, uh, not like God, he is God. And so Jesus' relationship with the law is, uh, is, is shows in fact that he is who he says he is. The law and the prophets are fulfilled in Jesus because it shows that Jesus is the savior of the world. It shows that he is the son of God. So Jesus' claims were always wrapped up in, Jesus often quotes the Old Testament. He quotes the law and the prophets because he doesn't have to go outside of the law to show who he is and what he has come to do, um, which is significant. Um, And Jesus' message is, is that of, of repentance? Jesus' message is do not reject the law. Um, he says, you, you, if you reject the law, he talks about a heart of stone versus, a, or we, we hear uh, in, in the prophets, a heart of stone versus a heart of flesh. And uh, the Pharisees were demonstrating a, a heart of stone. They were not open to see how Jesus actually came to fulfill the law perfectly so that they can have a heart of flesh. And uh, Jesus' message of repentance brings about that change that, uh, that ultimately needs to be found in, in true forgiveness and salvation. So Jesus' relationship with the law is one of, uh, of um, extremes. Uh, Jesus relation, he was condemned by uh, the, the Pharisees or the church leaders' interpretation of the law, um, and yet he came fully to fulfill the law, and, and he, he even... Preached or he spoke about himself in relation to the fulfillment of the prophecies that were found in the law and in the prophets. Uh, so then, how how do we see um, our relationship within the law? What is man's relationship to the law? So we know Jesus' relationship to the law; he fulfilled it. Um, what is man's relationship to the law, and how does that connect? Well, it comes as no surprise that our relationship to the law is that law reveals sin, and uh, it is crucial in the message of the gospel. Um, we need to know that uh, the law was given um, specifically so that we can realize our unrighteousness, our a complete and total depravity. And that is sometimes, uh, I, I don't come here to, to, to speak, uh, you know, fire and brimstone necessarily, but, but the, the truth of the gospel is is that without a knowledge of our sin, there is no, there is no need for a Savior. There is no need for uh, Jesus Christ to come in perfect righteousness and, and to redeem us from anything if there is no fault. And so our relationship with the law is that it actually reveals our sinfulness. Our relationship with the law is that it is, um, it is, it is, um, it is so telling. It, it, it shows us so quickly that there is no opportunity for us in and of ourselves to find righteousness in and of ourselves to satisfy the requirements of the law. The Pharisees had to had to change their interpretation of the law in order to find um, to find fulfillment in it. They felt that the works that they were able to do were able to satisfy the needs of the law, but they were not opening their hearts to the, 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 true, the true nature of the law, which only ever reveals our, our um, shortcomings and our need for a savior. We, um, and the law, oh, sorry, uh, in James 2.10, it's a very familiar verse. It says, um, I'll just read it for you so I don't misquote, sorry, It says, um, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, focusing specifically here, whoever keeps the whole law but fails at just one point is guilty of, uh, of breaking all of it. Jesus is saying there's no, there's no middle ground. There is no, no almost there. The law will reveal our sin. However minuscule we might think it might be, the law will reveal our need um, for a savior, for um, atonement, for a covering that needs to be made for our mistakes, for our sin, for our breaking of the law. So the man's relationship with the law is revealing that we are lawbreakers. Um, we have not, just like this young man in my story, uh, doesn't matter how he swung it, it doesn't matter how he painted that picture. It doesn't matter how he, he painted over the, the dirty parts of that, of that scenario. The, the fact of the matter is, is that he was a lawbreaker. We are lawbreakers and we are thankful or we should be thankful that God sent us his law to reveal that in us because it puts us in a posture to recognize um, our, our helplessness and our need uh, for a savior. Um, Romans 7, verse 7, we could probably read the whole book of Romans to understand our our relationship to the law and and what God has done to fulfill it. Um, But in in Romans uh, 7, verse 7, uh, it says here, What shall we say, that the law is sin? Uh, By no means. Yet if we had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet, if the law had not said, You shall not covet but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart, apart from the law, sin lies dead. And so we have to remember that even in the giving of the law, and especially nowadays where, where we, it's not, we have to remember God's mercy and his grace, because uh, ultimately we are, we are re- remaining under his grace if we are truly in Christ. And that is, that is, in, uh, it is pivotal uh, to our salvation in him. But we have to remember his grace in giving of the law, in revealing that sin in us. Because without the law, we would have been, we would have been stuck in our sin. Without, without God in his grace revealing to us our need for a savior, there would be no salvation. And so it is, it is, it is critical. Um, and, and Paul explains so nicely here in Romans that sin sees this opportunity through the commandment and pr- pr- produces covetousness. But apart from the law, that sin lies... It lies dead. We don't, we don't see it apart from his grace. And so um, our relationship to the law is that it reveals in us our need. And, and without it, without the law, there is no knowledge of sin. And we need atonement. Romans 8 verse 1, again, a very familiar verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This, this, this attitude of atonement is where we connect the, uh, Jesus' relationship to the law and our relationship to the law it's where we see now Jesus's perfect righteousness as fulfillment of the law that was broken by us, that atonement that was required for our sins, that the law revealed, comes only through Jesus Christ. And I know that's a bit of a Sunday school answer, and I don't intend to sit here and assume that we're all probably like-minded in our understanding of what Jesus has done for us. But it's just, I just think it's important this morning to just know afresh how critical it is Um, for our relationship with the law and Jesus' relationship with the law and how that connects through his atoning work on the cross in that fixing that problem we had with sin Um, because now in Romans 8 verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we receive Christ Jesus as our atoning atoning sacrifice for sin the law has been perfectly satisfied. Um, If we back up here though in verse 18 Uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, it says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota and not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. We, we, um, We still find ourselves at odds um, with what the law reveals, which is sin, we we are we are made we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. There is nothing that changes our salvation in Him. Jesus has paid for that on the cross, and it is fully paid for. There is there is no, there is no further work that way that needs to be done. We have been fully um, fully paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, and yet we still battle with our old selves. We still battle with that 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 monster that is our flesh and, and that flesh um, and that uh, is what we, we talk about a little bit here as far as like the law being fully fulfilled that'll be realized after heaven and earth pass away and, and when Jesus comes to, to redeem us to himself the law is, is, is in a sense eternal. It's, it's fulfilled. It, it couldn't be done away with which means that Jesus fulfilling it um, carries it through and, and it's, it's for our benefit. Um, as the holy as we've received the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a mark of our salvation as a mark of jesus 's atoning work, um, we are constantly made aware uh, of our of our need for a savior and and the Holy Spirit will reveal our sin and draw us into right relationship with god if we are if we yield to the holy spirit 's guidance and so and so uh sorry the the law perseveres and uh and we know this because um, David and, and others uh, throughout the Old Testament speak of our relationship to the law. And, and that the law isn't necessarily something that we have to despise, but that we can take joy in. In fact, uh, in Psalm uh, 119, uh, verses, uh, starting in verse 89, Sorry. It says, it talks about, um, it talks about the, the law persevering. It says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And if we go a little further to 92 and 93, it says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. He says, I am yours, and, and save me, for I have sought your precepts, or your, your words, the wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. You see, when we, when we understand the joy of our salvation, when we understand that Christ came to fulfill the law, we take delight in his words. We take delight in his, his commands. We take delight in his testimony. Uh, and it, just, it changes our perspective of this enduring law. Uh, Many of us have come from a history or a background of legalism. Um, There's, 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 and that's a struggle. Even in, in, I would argue, probably every believer's heart at some point in in time, where we, we struggle with this idea and this relationship of works versus faith. This idea that by our own righteousness we can be saved, whether we do that consciously or subconsciously. That is the, that is the. Even if we go so far back as to talk about the Pharisees, they were stuck in this belief that it was by their righteousness. It was by their righteousness that they would clothe clothe themselves enough to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And uh, it's really, it's by surrendering to the law of the Lord. It's by surrendering to his precepts and his guidance and his commands. It's by walking in obedience to them by the shed blood of Jesus, by his atonement, by receiving Jesus Christ that we truly are set free. And that we take joy in the law. That we take joy in his precepts and his commands. And it's just, I, I can't, I, I won't pretend to have fully understand that, but I desire to be a man who delights in the law of the Lord. And I desire to be a man who delights in his precepts and his testimonies. And that can only come by, being, by having a changed heart. Uh, the Pharisees weren't there yet. Um, the Pharisees were stuck with this heart of stone, and they, they could not see the joy of the law um, in, in revealing sin and pointing to a Savior. They, they missed what was right in front of them. Um, because they didn't, uh, unlike the psalmist here, they did not see uh, and delight in um, the precepts. They were focused on the doing. They were focusing on being their own righteousness rather than letting the, resol- the law reveal the righteousness of Christ. Either way, we, we know that the, the law is sustained. And we have a, a, a new law in that sustaining law in that we have a new law of, of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, we, have, uh, we, have the, we have kingdom preaching, um, from John and then from Jesus Christ saying, repent and believe in me and the, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We have a law of the kingdom and that is uh, um, based on his atoning work of sacrifice on the cross. So what can be done then? And we've already hinted a little bit at this, uh, but what can be done then if our relationship with the law uh, is revealing of sin, if Jesus' relationship with the law is, is his ultimate uh, condemnation on earth, and, but, all, uh, but subsequent salvation, what can be done? Um, yeah, in, verse, in verse 20, uh, Jesus says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Many, uh, many common people, common Jews and common people during, during Jesus' time would have seen um, the Pharisees' level of righteousness as unobtainable. In, incorrect but unobtainable. They, were, they, they set themselves up. They, they knew the law, maybe not in a way that brought salvation, but they, they knew the law and the prophets. They were gifted in the study of God's word. Um, they, they, they knew the, the small dots and iotas. They were so aware of the law, for instance, that, uh, that they knew what was maybe the smallest dot and iota. I, in one commentary I read, um, and they, the, a lot of the ph- Pharisees would have considered um, one of the, the laws that they would have considered the smallest or the least, uh, least cumbersome or least difficult uh, was, in, was found in Deuteronomy 22, which talks about the bird and its eggs and, uh, and that you're not to take the mother um, if you're taking the eggs. And, and, and so like, even these little details that many would have glossed over or, or not been aware of in the word, the, the Pharisees were versed in it. And, and so for many people, um, looking at these religious leaders, they would have said, well, what can be done? If our righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, what can be done? And, and Jesus, it's interesting that he would talk about this because he, just, he, he spends this time abolishing or saying that I've come to fulfill the law. The Pharisees are offended by that because they say you're making yourself out. You're blaspheming. And then he says, actually, um, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so how, how then does this apply to, to those who are sitting there listening to Jesus? Crowds gathered around Jesus during this time. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, there was a great, uh, a, a great crowd listening in. Sure, he, was, he granted, he was speaking to his disciples, but there was many there that were listening. And, uh, and so what, what hope do we have if, uh, if our righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees? And I... And, and I think we all know that what he's trying to say here is that it, it literally is impossible. The scribes and the Pharisees have met, uh, they, have, they have tapped out, they have, they have hit their cap as far as the, the level of righteousness that they can experience in and of themselves. And it is not enough. It is, met, it is, met, it is lacking. It is, is missing the mark. And he's saying, unless... You surrender to the law, unless you realize your need for something greater than yourself, there is no kingdom of heaven for you. There is no salvation for you. And that's, that's a tough word to hear. Jesus doesn't mince words. He, he demonstrates love and grace in, a per, in perfect form. And, and yet that love and grace is wrapped up in that unless you come to me, unless you find um, your righteousness in me, there is no salvation for you. There is no promise uh, of being part of, of my kingdom. And, uh, and, and that can be a, maybe a somber way to start wrapping up here this morning, but, um, but I think there's great hope in that. Jesus, Jesus lays out a perfect groundwork for us uh, in these few verses about what it means to truly be a child of God uh, and, and what it means and what needs to be done and, and why that, that, that works um, comes out of only a response to the salvation in Jesus Christ, not a work of ourselves. And so... Um, a quote I read uh, out of, I think uh, this was Matthew Henry, um, so we go back a few hundred years, uh, but he just kind of summarizes verse 20 well. He says, we can only go beyond the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees if after doing all we deny ourselves as unprofitable servants and instead trust only in the righteousness of of Christ. Um, I, I would argue that that the actions of the scribes and Pharisees are are only legalistic because they are not responsive to the righteousness of Christ covering our former or our or their former selves. Um, their 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 zeal for the word of God, their desire to know uh, the word if if coupled with uh, the atonement of Jesus Christ would have been uh, a force to be reckoned with. The but but it seems that, that that smallest we know the biggest but that smallest part that they were missing um brings their, their their worship into legalism. And so we can only go beyond that level if we receive uh, and trust only in the righteousness of Christ. And uh, I, again, I know that we go back just to the simplicity and, and power of the gospel, um, but there's really nowhere else to go after that. There's really nowhere else to go here. Jesus says, there is, there is no way for you to enter the kingdom of heaven apart from my righteousness. He says, but be thankful because I have, I have given you freely my righteousness by fulfilling the law, ultimately, by satisfying every prophecy, every command, every rule has been fully satisfied in my life, death, and resurrection. And because of that, you can have life in me. I I uh, was just blown away by by the, the immense with immense gratitude. Uh, as I was preparing for this morning, um, about what God, through his son Jesus Christ, has done for me. And uh, I, don't, I don't mean to over-understate or that, but if I could leave anything with you today, um, it's just an emphasis on my, my main point, is that Jesus came to fulfill the law, and that matters, um, because his fulfillment of the law has given us life in him. And... Uh, I think I would argue that as we read God's word here this week, as we dive in, into God's word, let's, let's be looking for that evidence that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Let's be looking and seeing that everything in the, the given word that we have is pointing to or speaking of his amazing work of salvation. I'm not saying that to glaze over the other lessons and important uh, context that we have to glean from, from his w- written word. But it, 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 we are missing something special as we, we learn from, in this passage from the scribes and Pharisees if we forget that this all points ultimately to our salvation. And that's not to point like, to show us as, as most important, but it's because of God's great love for us that we are free from condemnation. We are free from the condemning work of the law because of his. His fixing it for us perfectly. It's, uh, it, it, was, it was pointed out to me as I was studying that there is um, just as a way just to kind of bring it to a close and, and just emphasize again the, the connections between Jesus' work on the cross and, and uh, the, the work of the law in the Old Testament is there's a lot of parallels in what Jesus was delivering here in the Sermon on the Mount and what took place with the law given to Moses. Um, and yet, there's distinct differences. Christ preached a sermon, which was an exposition of the law, upon a mountain. Um, because upon a mountain, the law was given. Um, it's, I was just, again, blown away by just the significance and the details. Um, those little dots and iotas that Jesus talks about here, that he weaves together for our, for our good. But the differences come in that the Lord came down upon the mountain and delivered that, uh, that message to, to Moses. And Moses wrote it on tablets of stone. Um, when on the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord came up on the mountain and He delivered um, His His message uh, of the of fulfillment of the law to the people. He came up and He delivered what He had to say. Um, there was uh, there was great uh, glory on that mountain when Moses went up. There was thunder and lightning, and there was there was a covering. Uh, there was there was there was a lot going on there that was quite terrifying. Uh, Jesus delivers his message to us in, in a confident but still strong voice. Um, in, in, uh, in Moses' day when he received the law, the people were, were instructed to, to keep a distance from the mountain, to stay away. Um, and there was real consequences. Uh, they, they would die if they got too close, um, just due to God's holiness and what was going on there. And, and now as Jesus delivers this, this, his message uh, on fulfillment of the law, people are encouraged to draw near. In fact, many came. Because they were drawn to Jesus in what he had to say. And uh, people drew near to him. It shows us that, uh, that that veil has been torn. That that way to the Father has been made perfect by Jesus Christ. And so as we consider the law today, let's take joy in, in its precepts. Let's take joy in its, its revealing sin in us. So that we can actually rest and, um, and be satisfied in, in the robe of righteousness that we receive through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Let's take let's, let's worship God today, knowing that the the pain uh, that the law reveals and showing our complete inadequacy um, to uh, that our, our 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 own our own life is like filthy rags. That that uh, Jesus Christ has come to give us uh, His robe of righteousness and 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 the salvation that comes with that. Um, I, I I thank you for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. Um, I trust that God's work, word would speak to you. Um, that my my ramblings in between would would fall away and that ultimately we would leave here um, with a greater appreciation and, and praise of our Heavenly Father.
0: Yeah, let's respond to the message with a call to be faithful and to seek that kingdom. So faithful ones.
1: Come and join the reapers, all the kingdom seekers, laying down your life to find it in the end. Come and share the harvest, help to light the darkness, For the Lord is calling
0: faithful ones Go in peace to love and serve the Lord
1: Come and join the reapers All the kingdom seekers laying down your life to find it in the end. Come and share the harvest, help to light the darkness for